0: Dale and Fenstermaker here with another Pro Wrestling Archives back on the road. I'm here with uh, Rick Smooth here. And um, how are you doing today, Rick? I'm
1: good, man. I'm... You know, just trying to talk so, talk a little bit about pro wrestling, man. Um, I was thinking about this earlier. I was watching this Jim Cornette uh, documentary that he did when he went over to England, and uh, it's like this weird British rock documentary. I don't, I don't I, 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 was pushing it by getting this one. You know what I mean? But it was, uh, it was cheap.
0: Yeah, no. Uh, Jim Cornette's got a lot of wisdom that he shares. Uh, like I, I, I tune into those podcasts that he puts up online all the time, and like, dude, like I remember the one day I looked, he, uh, he put one of them up at like 9 o'clock in the morning, and uh, at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon already had several thousand views. So, yeah, Jim Cornette's obviously doing something right.
1: Uh, yeah, the guy's a genius, man. Um, so I wanted to talk about some of my favorite guys that uh, sometimes – Uh, are given their props and sometimes are overlooked Um, Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning Um, some people say that he's the greatest wrestler of all time and um, you know I think he's somebody that does get his props but maybe never won the uh, WWF world title but uh, was a former AWA world champion and uh, WWF intercontinental champion and he's held the US title and WCW and done a lot of shit. But um, Some people would argue and say that Kurt Henning is the greatest professional wrestler of all time and Mm -hmm. I would say that he's definitely my favorite professional wrestler of all time.
0: Yeah, he is. I remember, like, he even had a run, like, uh, like, uh, recently, too, like, back in the, uh, in the early 2000s, late 90s, it, like, I remember. Yeah. yeah, he
1: came back. Yeah, I remember that. He came back to WWF, and, um, there's actually a, a really cool match on YouTube that I saw with Kurt Henning defeating, uh, Brock Lesnar. Yeah,
0: And, yeah, was- uh,
1: they had, they had that infamous fight on the airplane, too, where, um, Kurt Henning uh, took down Brock Lesnar at, at forty thousand feet in the air, and everybody on the plane was panicking. That the plane ride from hell.
0: Yeah, I remember hearing about that and all too. And like uh, Scott Hall was involved in that too. And like I know, like so after that, a bunch of guys from WWE were released. I know Scott Hall was among uh, was among them.
1: Was <laughs> he? Yeah. I, I heard Flair was a little wild on that too. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, uh, Mr. Pervert, Kurt Henning, I remember seeing the match at SummerSlam 91. Uh, it was him versus Bret Hart for the Intercontinental title, and Kurt Henning passed the torch to Brett Hart, who was coming out of a tag team, uh, the Hart Foundation run, and Bret Hart was coming into his own. He won the Intercontinental title in Madison Square Garden that day. And I was rooting for Kurt, you know, all day, but uh, he passed the torch. He had a back injury, so they, they gave the title to Brett. But Kurt wrestled one of the one of the best matches ever that night, of a, a messed up back and um then what ended up happening was is Bret Hart's career took off and he became a superstar.
0: Yeah, no, like um when I think of Bret Hart, my favorite match within like I could think about is like uh like uh the Montreal screw job, that was a pretty interesting thing there was a lot of controversy among it too. Like you got you got Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart and then like uh Vince McMahon screwed Bret out of the title and then that was like uh in my opinion when that when all that happened that was like the start of like the attitude era when um when uh Vince McMahon was uh, coming across as a character where he was actually like uh ho- Hold on for a second, Rick. If you want to take this, I gotta, I gotta step out for a second.
1: No problem, no problem. Um, yeah, this is. I'll say my opinion about the Montreal Screwjob. Um, I think that that was actually one of those moments in wrestling that if we could take back, we should. And the way that I would have taken it back is, I remember Goldust was getting over in '96, pretty, pretty big, and him and Nick Foley, uh, Mankind, were, uh, you know, potential main eventers. In late '96, around mind games and shit like that, um, what I would have done differently if I was the WWF around, uh, let's say the Montreal Screwjob era, was I would have put the belt on Goldust, and then from there uh, figured it out uh, how to get it to, to Austin for WrestleMania or whatever. Because um, what happened with Sean and Bret, you know, was you know uh, a huge turning point in wrestling, and. You know, I guess like you know, people at the WWF would be like, "No, that you know, uh, it ended up being one of the, I guess, best things for the WWF as far as business because Vince ended up, uh, Vince got real hot, DX got hot, and then Austin got even hotter, and then The Rock came in. So, I mean, it's one of those moments where it's it's just one of those weird twists of fate, but. You know, it all, it all might have been able to be avoided if, uh, you know, they could have put the strap on Goldust, you know, whose lineage, you know what I mean? I mean, he's Dusty Rhodes' kid, he could definitely have won the world title, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely, like, at the whole, um, yeah, like, that was pretty interesting, the whole Montreal Screwjob thing, because, like, like I was going to say, like, uh, before I had to get out for a second, um, like, uh, that's back when, like, uh, the whole thing started with Vince McMahon getting involved in the storyline, screwing Bret Hart, yeah, and, then, McMahon, yep. and then later Vince McMahon, or Mr. McMahon, like, that's when he started he screwed, next thing you know, he was screwing Austin, and then, like, put the title on the, around the waist of the rock, and then, like, um, started the whole corporation angle and everything, and then, that's in my opinion, like, uh, the Montreal Screwjob, that's, like, when things started getting good in wrestling, because... Like, it started going from, like, uh, wrestling as a sport to more, like, sports entertainment, where they were, like, um, bring, showing a whole different side of it and, like, bringing a, uh, taking it in a whole different direction that not many people have seen.
1: Well, I mean, uh, me and you have, like, different opinions on that, but that's okay, man. That's why we do these podcasts, man, is we can both speak our opinions and, uh, yeah. you know, uh, agree to disagree at times, but at the same time, we'll let the fans choose what they think. Yeah. Um but, uh, okay, so with that being said, now I wanted to talk about my favorite tag team of all time. And I'm, I'm going to give you two tag teams, but the first one I'm going to give you, without a doubt, my favorite tag team of all time, Demolition, managed by Mr. Fuji. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, this, was a, this was a really interesting thing because I remember back then, I remember, you know, in 87, 88, 89, 90, and... Um, yeah, I remember it real clear, actually. Like, uh, Demolition was just tearing through teams, and they, they were heels. And then they became faces because the fans just liked what they did. It wasn't that they were, you know, trying to, to make them faces. The fans decided that. And um, they ended up having a pretty good run. I thought maybe their run could have went a little longer, but for some reason they, they brought in Crush, and then next thing you know uh, they, were, they were done. And I remember seeing Smash at a couple house shows, or maybe. One house show in Philly at the old Spectrum where he was wrestling as a singles match, and then he came back as Repo Man,
0: yeah. and then and that was it. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember Repo Man. He had an interesting gimmick. I, yeah, he was pretty cool.
1: I, and I remember too because the Rogue Warriors were real hot you know in NWA at that time and I remember liking Demolition better but then people would say that they're a rip off of um, uh, you know, the Rogue Warriors but I never really I, I mean I could see it with the face paint but then there was other guys too like Powers of Pain and stuff like that I, I think Demolition truly did stand on their own and whatever they were doing with, with, with the outfits or whatever and just the face paint and the mask coming in and then with Fuji with them I mean, you know, he's one of the legends of pro wrestling. I mean, really taking it back, he's from the old school, the real old school. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. There was just something about Demolition that was just, I was always a Smash guy. I always liked Smash better than Axe, but together they they were, you know, pretty good team. And I remember them doing that decapitation move, which I thought was a a, a really good tag maneuver at that time.
0: Yeah, no doubt, yeah. (laughs) Like I know, like one of my favorite tag teams. I think about tag teams in uh, WWE or actually WWF back then. Like I know the uh, the, the New Age Outlaws. Like I, I uh, there guys, you go. uh Road Dogg, Jesse James, Badass Billy Gunn, part of DX. Those guys were like uh, were like an amazing tag team. And then also another team I like too is uh, Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett. Wow, I forgot
1: about that team.
0: Yeah, because this was like right before like uh, Owen's untimely death and all. So, yeah, like they, it was, it was pretty cool. They had a good run and everything. And like Owen, Hart, Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett, they had this uh, this chemistry together too. Where like I could, act, where they actually looked like a tag team. And like I could, and just seeing them with the belts, it was like it cemented in me like those guys were like the perfect examples of like old school wrestling, in the uh, in the coming into the new school era.
1: You know, that's really interesting, man. And I, I'll mention something about both of them because um, the New Age Outlaws, when they got together, you know, that was one of those chemistries that I would have never saw coming because I remember the roadie with Jeff Jarrett, who was uh, the Road Dog, and then I remember Billy Gunn being with the Smoking Guns. And, you know, Billy Gunn's obviously a tag team wrestler, mm. and uh, Road Dog comes from the Armstrong family of wrestling, so I mean, he could do pretty much anything. But um, seeing them come together was very unexpected and very cool. Now, with Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett, um, those two guys are two of the most best technical wrestlers out there. So, to put them in the same ring together on the same team, that worked out really well. Um, now, I'll bring up another team, too, that, that I think is probably uh, one of the greatest tag teams that's ever done it, but that doesn't get nearly enough credit, is the Eliminators from ECW. Um, I'll never forget watching that first uh ECW pay-per-view barely legal, and the Eliminators come on and destroy the Dudley Boys. The Dudley Boys don't even get off one move. The Eliminators are just hitting all these crazy spots. It was it was just one of the best, uh, you know, best uh, displays of tag team wrestling I had ever seen, especially with new innovative moves. I mean, those moves are still fresh today. Uh, what is it? Uh, 23 years
0: later. Yeah, I know. Like another one of my favorite tag teams that you, know, you just mentioned, the uh, the Dudley Boys. Uh, those guys, like oh. I remember watching them back in ECW and all. Like uh, Bubba Ray with his stuttering gimmick, and then you brought back in uh, Big Dick, uh, Big Dick Dudley, uh, Big Daddy Dudley, and then you got like uh, Chubby Chubby motherfucking Dudley, and um, <laughs> and then you got Spike Dudley, the whole Dudley family, and then like um, you had Devon and Bubba. Sorry guys. And... What was that again?
1: Uh, Sean guy Dudley, and
0: then yeah, Devon from the south side of Dudleyville. Yeah, and then like, and then they came from ECW into WWE, and then like, um, that was around the time that the ECW guys started invading WWE, and then like, yep. um, the fans didn't really know what to make of them. The fans would like boo Bubba Ray with the stuttering gimmick and all, and like, um. I know, like The Rock had some classic uh promos against Bubba Ray and his stuttering and all too, which is crazy. Yeah. And then like, I remember...
1: yeah, you gotta mention Joel Gertner too, when you're talking about the Dudley Boys, man. Joel it's so big, it's hard for Murtner. Gertner. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um also
1: too, when the Dudley Boys came to W W F or W W E at that time, whatever it was called, um, I remember Like, they were doing that that gimmick with Bubba Ray where he would put somebody through a table and then he would like give this real menacing kind of like, uh, catonic kind of stare. And, um, I I really liked that actually because he didn't do that in ECW.
0: Yeah, like when he put uh, Trish Stratus through a table, I remember that. Yeah, well, I love her strategy. She is so fine. But so, so um,
1: another thing too that that uh, Bubba Ray used to do was at the ECW arena. He would come out and he would he would call out anybody in the crowd, and that was like in the '90s when they were doing that um, reality wrestling kind of thing, where you know he he was he was ready to fight anybody in the crowd. It was not it was not an angle or a shoot or a a work. It was a shoot. On, and he would come out, and I we, we you to, know, to go,
0: actually right now, no, yeah, we
1: would be talking shit in the crowd, and you know, like I remember my dad would get all up in Bubble Ray's, you know, yelling all kinds of shit, and when Bubba Ray came around, you know, uh, we realized real quick that Bubba Ray was ready to fight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, uh,
0: he, you know, like Bubba Ray was not playing around back then. Yeah, no, he wasn't. <laughs> he, he was a
1: legit. You know, he was legitimate with all that.
0: Yeah, And then like um. And then as things started progressing and all in the tag team division, like you got Edge and Christian, the Hardys. And then, like, um, one of my favorite things I think about tag teams is, like, uh, the triple threat tag team matchup, tables, ladders, and chairs. You had the Double boys, Edge and Christian, and the Hardy boys.
1: I would say that that match got all three of those tag teams completely over, too.
0: Yeah, because you figure the Hardy boys, like, the, those guys, like, actually came up in backyard wrestling and all, too. Or like, um, I know, like, uh, Jeff Hardy, like, I, I remember I started... Were they watching, from North Carolina or something? Yeah, yeah, they're from North Carolina, Cameron, North Carolina. I remember, like, when I, I first started watching, like, um, back in the Attitude Era, one thing that actually got me, like, focused, got me really into it was uh, after watching the Hardys, dude. I remember watching Jeff Matt and Jeff Hardy coming out there and like doing their high flying stuff and everything and I know like yeah, I those guys are crazy. I know like I even I, I'll admit that I'm I'm not saying I endorse it anyway or like I know like because Backyard gets a lot of bad stigma and all it but um I know like I did I did my share of backyard wrestling and I know like I did like so do some stuff like Jeff Hardy did. Like I know I, I, I did a couple swan swantons onto a trampoline myself. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I think, like, growing up back then, I mean, something that happens is you just beat the shit out of your friends with wrestling moves. So, I mean, I think everybody at one time has done some backyard, man. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I remember I remember when Lita got with the Hardy Boys, too. She was in ECW as Miss Congeniality, and she was so fucking fine back then. And then she went up to WWE and, and really got over uh, as a performer and, and a real serious worker. And, and that, was, that was another one of those... ECW, uh, you know, gory, gory stories of, you know, somebody kind of making it out of, out of ECW and out of Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I remember, uh, watching Lita's Miss in, uh, ECW, and then when she came... Yep, to, with Danny
1: Dorian and Killer. Yeah,
0: you know, when she first came into WWE, WWE WWF, uh, she came in with, uh, S.A. Rios, and then, like, um, yeah, like it was like that, yeah, whatever. Like I didn't know what to make of her or anything with that gimmick. But then it really took off, like when uh, when Lita was with the Hardy Boys and uh, and Wow, friends, I forgot about that. And then uh, Lita and uh, Matt and Jeff Hardy formed Team Extreme.
1: Wow. And then yeah, we, I forgot about
0: that. Yeah, I remember like Lita was with S.A. Rios when uh, when she first came in, and then I
1: remember that. Yeah, yeah. wow. And then so up. I just yeah, so, so with um. Danny Dorian and Roadkill too, at the very end of their E C. W. run, they had gotten over so strong and um I, I remember the whole play I, anywhere Roadkill went, he was over. Yeah, and yeah. um and you know, that was their time, man. They had they had their moment, man, if you ask me. Mhm. Um Yeah, so um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else I want to make mention of, because we've covered a lot of ground really fast. Um, Is there any workers from the late 80s, 90s that you want to uh, bring up?
0: Hmm. Uh, for, For some
1: reason... For some reason, the Texas tornado just popped into my head. Kerry Von Eric. Okay. I remember seeing him in the WWF, and I know that he was past his prime at that time because I'm pretty sure he actually had a fake foot at that time. He had some kind of injury where he, um, you know, was was going around with like you know, he's wrestling with one foot.
0: Yeah, it kind of reminds me like in the in the new era of uh, wrestling and all too, like back in the early 2000s, uh, Zach Gowen, like uh, with the one the kid with the one leg. Like I know, like he. He made it in the indies pretty good. Like, uh, like what he would do was like I remember he first had his uh, came out as uh, with when uh, Hogan was um, was uh, Mr. America, and then he came out along with them as the biggest as a big Mr. America Hogan fan. And then like um, and then he ended up like uh, was hiding underneath the ring or something like that. And then they just whoever was uh, was looking for him uh, under the ring grabbed his leg. And they were like, whoa. And then he just popped out with one leg and just started flying all over the place. And, like, um, I know it was crazy because uh, Zach Gowan, like, for having one leg, he had matches with Brock Lesnar, too, back then. Okay. Yeah. Something that just
1: popped into my head was some of those old Survivor Series matches with those really cool, like, remember on the VHS tapes, how they would have, like, um, all the different teams on, on, the back of the, on the front and the back of the VHS tapes? Yeah. I, I really liked how those how they would display them and the artwork that they made for them. Like it, it, would, it was it was always really interesting to see the synergy between the different workers mm-hmm. and the and, and the blend of how they would go together. Yeah. Um, I, I think in my head right now I'm thinking about either Survivor Series '90 90 or '91. I could see the Texas Tornado and, and Tugboat and Demolition and a couple guys. You know, like I, I know I'm i getting all these names right on the on the video, but I, I, I could be mistaken. But I'm, I'm just getting these flashes in my head about Survivor Series like in the in the early '90s. Yeah, hold on, I gotta get going. And,
0: right and right the back. Rumble too. Yeah, I gotta get and going. The Rumble right had I that I really cool artwork. We gotta artwork. wrap things up, so.
1: All right, cool. Well, hey, everybody that's out there listening, thank you guys for listening to Back on the Road. And uh, that's Alan. This is Rick. We 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 will be doing more of these.
0: All right, thanks for tuning in.